Um, I'm Bobby Navia. And I am Dorian Weinzimmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the couch. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dorian. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. It's our um, first, first sit-down of 2021. It is. Yeah. Our first sit-down. Um, if this is your first time to the show, normally what Dorian and I do is we sit down and we review movie trailers, and we get all get all deep deep with them. And so uh, before 2021, uh, the last couple episodes we were doing, we were doing like a Batman retrospective, which we will complete. We have two more to do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm excited um, for them. Same here. Yeah. And so, um, but uh, our last episode was about uh, the HBO Max uh, bubble up uh, and everything with Warner Brothers putting all their 2021 releases uh, on the service the same day they're in theaters. Yeah. Which, and then quick, quick follow-up. I did cancel my HBO Max subscription. I, I, I remember you told me, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I am, I am no longer... I decided to put principles ahead of convenience. <laughs> and I hope more people do the same. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, so today we're going to do a... Uh, we're going to do a trailer review. For a movie that's coming out yeah. on HBO Max, we're we're doing a nostalgia episode, a throwback, <laughs> yeah. a throwback to what the show once was. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's this movie called uh, Locked Down, um, directed by Doug Lyman, who's done uh, directed Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Edge of Tomorrow, and uh, he's also doing that untitled Tom Cruise SpaceX movie. Yeah, where. Him and Tom Cruise will be launched into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written by Stephen Knight, who wrote uh, Eastern Promises, Locke. Uh, I believe he's the creator of that show, Peaky Blinders, as well. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie got picked up by Warner Brothers during the uh, virtual Toronto Film Festival in September. And I, I, from, I was reading like a, a Deadline article, and uh, from the way the article sounded, it, it sounded like it was always sort of meant to be uh, to go to HBO Max. I don't think this was like part of the group of movies that they're right. releasing per the you know the deal or not deal, but just the decision that was made to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always going to be like a Max original. As yeah. Up, so from what I read too, it was like um, I think like Doug Lyman and Stephen Knight. I think basically arranged all of and their producers arranged all of the funding for the movie essentially like independently. So like they didn't have to answer. Oh, okay. They weren't making it like for anyone. They were just making it, you gotcha. know. And we're like, we'll be able, you know, someone's gonna. We got star power. We've got big names. You know, we're doing all this crazy stuff, and like you know, we're we'll be able to sell this. You know, it's just a matter. Of, like so, it was obviously it was you know there was a uh, uh, a a very visible opportunity there for investors to go, okay, yes, I'll back money on this. Cause I know we're going to, you know, we're going to sell this to someone. Yeah, so, right. yeah. So I don't think it was like actually made as a max, but I think it was like acquired by HBO max, you know, in, oh, a, in yeah, a more right, like right. traditional deal kind of manner than as we talked about in the, in the last episode, the versus just like shifting resources from one wing to another. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think this was, you know, more traditionally like, you know, bought, uh, yes, <laughs> and like you know, people who made the movie got paid, and <laughs> you know those old outmoded things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so this movie, Lockdown, it, on IMDb, it's a heist romantic comedy, is what the genres that it has listed on it, and it has uh, Anne Hathaway and. Uh, 
uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor in it. Uh, and um, they're basically a couple who are living in London during the lockdown uh, that seem to be going through some um, relationship woes because of, because of the lockdown. And then for some reason, they decide to become thieves. Uh, and uh, so anyways, Dorian. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it off to you to break in this 2021 trailer review reaction. What did you think of the trailer? <laughs> Fucking hate this trailer so much. Like, for so many reasons. I Actually, I would be hard-pressed to think of one thing I even like about this. <laughs> I, I just, I despise everything about it. From, like, the second, even just from the logline of, like, a romantic comedy heist thriller or whatever is, like, go fuck yourself. this is terrible i mean first and foremost like immediately like making a movie about lockdown during lockdown and releasing it while people are still in lockdown i think is like the most ill-conceived idea you could possibly have for what to do (laughs) during lockdown (laughs) i have no interest in watching this i mean just from as soon as like the movie starts with a zoom call i'm like i'm fucking out (laughs) <laughs> I am so sick of Zoom calls. I'm not trying to watch other people's fucking Zoom calls. Um, and, you know, just the, like, lazy brand of humor that's coming. Like, the joke about too much toilet paper and crap. It's like, dude, we get... This was, like, last week, you know? This is not some nod to these times. It's like, oh, man, I forgot about those days, you know? It's like, <laughs> no, man, this is still, like, a thing, you know? This is not... And, and yeah, and you're not bringing any, like insight or cleverness to these jokes even it's just like literally oh wow okay people are panic buying it's like yep yeah they did that they're still doing it it's a thing Mm -hmm. um it's just everything you know they seem to make like every kind of lazy pandemic joke you can is like stuffed into this fucking trailer um and yeah and it just i I have no i just have no interest in watching people in lockdown you know like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it just seems like the most uninteresting thing and i don't know why people think that like i'm sure people are talking about how like it's so relevant and like the immediacy of this and like wow isn't it crazy that like you know film can have such a dialogue with like modern times and stuff like that and it's like well no because there's been no time to digest and like reflect on this you know mm-hmm. like this isn't bringing anything to the table except just like presenting to us what is already our day-to-day normal lives right now you know, right. and that have been for a while and that people are fucking sick of and desperate to get away from. And so when they sit down to watch a movie, I think they were looking for some kind of fucking escapism, you know, yes. not just like, oh, stars, they're just like us. Look, they're in lockdown, too. Look, they're having trouble getting toilet paper. You know, like that seems to be <laughs> how this movie is is selling itself in the appeal of this film, which mm-hmm. I just think is, is so just ill-conceived and tone deaf and fucking stupid and just doesn't look interesting at all and then like as you even sort of alluded to in in you know your intro it's like they decide to pull a heist for why like their marriage is dissolving and then all of a sudden they're like diamond thieves let's do it (laughs) It 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 makes no fucking sense it's it's awful the dialogue that's in this trailer too is terrible I mean, really terrible. Like, Anne Hathaway literally says, they're bad and we're good and good has to be better than bad. That's right, Dorian. That's, that's a right. Li- that's a line of dialogue in a movie <laughs> that's coming out. <laughs> my, like, my, favorite, my favorite is uh, live wild or die. Mm-hmm. 
That's a that 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 I think that's he says that in like that same scene where she says that. Yeah, yeah, it's it looks like a real award contender. Um, I, I'm personally, I gotta say, I, I've never, I don't think, been that impressed with Stephen Knight to begin with. So I don't think I'm that much of a fan. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I mean, I liked Eastern Promises. I did, uh, yeah, I did like Eastern Promises. I, I forgot he wrote that. Yeah, he wrote that. Um, he did write and direct Locke, which I will argue is, you know, it was obviously not made during any sort of pandemic or any sort mm-hmm. of lockdown or whatever. But I would argue <laughs> that it's a better sort of movie about isolation. <laughs> sure. Because then, you know, what what we have here. But um, yeah, because when I was going through his IMDb, I was like, fuck, I totally forgot about Locke. Like, uh, you know, like just the accomplishment in doing like that movie where there's it's just a guy, you know, in a car having conversations with people on the phone mm. is, uh, you know, it, right. it's far more interesting and, you know, I guess like tense driven than, you know, the events that are happening in like in this trailer or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of Stephen Knight. There's there's sometimes there's sometimes stuff like this where I see like it's written by him where I'm just kind of like. Wait, what? Like this doesn't. I, f- I feel like this doesn't add up, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, I think uh, I I share your sentiment, and I I don't believe that uh, people or artists should be making movies, narrative things like about what's still going on right now. Because, like you said, like there just hasn't been time to process like that at all. Like, you know, we never talked about the trailer, and we won't. But you know, that movie Songbird came out, uh, which yeah. is is just like. That trailer was it's it's kind of like amazing that anybody decided to say like this is okay to do now. Yeah, like, I was speechless when I saw that. I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why does anyone think anyone wants to see this? This is literally just images of people at home by themselves exercising. It's like yeah, and like what, suffering what? like horribly. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a movie, you fuckers. All right. So when I first watched this trailer. Um, I didn't know it was a heist movie. And so like I watched it and I thought like, oh, okay, this is going to be some sort of, you know, uh, one location, you know, relationship kind of maybe comedy drama, mm-hmm. uh, like with stuff during lockdown. But then in the middle of the, of the trailer, when it like shifts gears into just like, you know, Ben Kingsley, you know, calling, uh, uh, Paxton, the, the main male character, uh, Geoforce character, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, what? It completely, like, the movie feels to me like a Steven Soderbergh movie that, that someone pitched Steven Soderbergh. And then Soderbergh was like, nah, you know, like, I kind of perfected this. Like, this, yeah. we're, I'm kind of done with it. And then they were just like, well, let's let's go down the line and see who could at least imitate a version of a Soderbergh movie like this for us and, and, just, and just do it. Because yeah. that's what it feels like. It just feels like an imitation of the Oceans movie. I was going to say, he's, yeah, to he, even, was, to he even, looked at yeah, it and even, he was like, no, man, I'm not trying to make Oceans 2, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but I, I think I have uh, this, I mean, I don't like that it's like happening during a pandemic, but the, the movie looks entertaining to me. Like, I, I know I'm going to watch it. Uh, you know, and, um, because I, I still have HBO max. Um, but, um, but yeah, overall, like, shut up, Dory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, 
But yeah, overall, I just feel like it's a very, I want it to be one or the other. I want it to be either like a heist movie or this relationship drama, you know, that that's going on, you know, unless it's revealed that like these two characters in a past life have done this more mm-hmm. often than not. And they're trying to be like, well, let's get back into the business or something, which I'm not saying will save this movie in any way, but I just feel like it's too uneven, like genres that are trying to be meshed together in an effort to give us entertainment and use, use the pandemic as some sort of like emotional crutch for it to be like, for us to be in, more invested in them, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I don't think, I think this movie could have been made without the pandemic storyline. Yeah. Like, I think I heard, I think yeah. I read somewhere there's, there's been some TV shows that when they go back into production, like the pandemic will not be part of the storyline. It Good. will just be, yeah. it will, yeah, no, exactly. It will just be the next step in whatever those character, whatever story they're telling for those characters. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to see how like all my favorite, you know, fictional characters have dealt (laughs) with the pandemic. Like I don't fucking care. I'd rather you get back to the business of like telling the story that made me want to watch your fucking show in the first place. You know, like that, I think that would be a better route to go. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like the two halves of this trailer seemingly have nothing to do with each other. You know, and I can only imagine that that's probably, you know, amplified in the movie itself. And short of some sort of like, short of some sort of like incredibly convincing, like motivational factor that is completely (laughs) absent from this trailer. It is like, literally, like I had to fire a few people. So now like I'm going to steal a fucking diamond. That seems like a pretty big jump (laughs) to make. Uh, yeah, for anyone. And, yeah. you know, and and then on top of it, too, that it's like their marriage is failing. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now let's get involved in this thing that's going to force us to be like inextricably like involved in each other's lives forever to protect this giant lie about this fucking time we stole a goddamn diamond. You know, <laughs> it just it seems. <laughs> and uh... I mean, for the record, at no point during proper lockdown did I feel like I had to go, you know, steal from my store. You know, like, yeah, uh, to 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 live again in in, in some sort of, you know, mean, <laughs> meaningful way. Right. You know what I mean, like, and I guess that was like the other because I watched the trailer again before before we started recording. And like, that's like the first thing that jumped to my head was just like, <laughs> like, you know, I know it's a movie and it's not real, but like the, the, the pandemic, I guess, you know, quote unquote, makes it real, you know, so. But it's just like, where does somebody go through in their mind as a character to be like, yeah, you know what? I am so like depressed or just, you know, uh, emotionally compromised in a way because of everything that's going on with being locked down that the best idea to like save our relationship is to turn ourselves into criminals, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. it's just like, I, I don't, I don't, you know, you're, you don't look desperate. You look like you live in a pretty good place. Like, I know. It's, seriously. It's, it's. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah, it was just really, it was really, like we said, it's a very uneven trailer and a lot of things that are happening don't make, you know, don't make a lot of sense because it's like, you're not living in squalor for yeah. one. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I found that, I find that downtrodden attitude kind of like, you know, just unappealing to begin with as well. And just uninteresting that it's like, oh, I, you know, he gets fired and it's like, okay, well, I officially have no purpose in life anymore. It's like, well then fucking yeah. do something, you know, like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
You're not this just like helpless, you know, bag of shit that is incapable of doing anything without some higher authority, you know, that you sign on with directing your actions. You know, you can like, yeah, this is an opportunity to find some purpose or <laughs> to take some time or something. You know, it's there's just that attitude in general. And, and on top of it, too, it's like, you know, the, the irreverent and sort of lighter tone of this movie um, doesn't lead me to believe that I, I'm ever going to see him in such a like depressive state that I'm going to buy that he is like so forlorn and like you know without purpose that yes turning to criminal activity is really <laughs> like a legitimate you know maneuver for this character. Um, yeah, it it just it just doesn't add up, you know. And again, I think I think the trailer tries to gloss over that in a way that that I think is going to be even more jarring and like less elegant than. <laughs> In the in the actual movie than it is in this condensed version. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a question, yeah, for you. And um, <clears throat> given how I know you feel about you know the trailer and everything, I want to know if you think that we're so starved for content because of the pandemic that like making movies that take place like during the pandemic, like, is it, cause that's the one thing I was trying to think, like, why make this movie? Right. Yeah. Why make, why make the movie? Why make it, you know, during the pandemic? Couldn't and tell I, was, you. I, I started to, I know I started to think about like, you know, is it a way just to sort of like, I don't know, like separate ourselves, like, like to make like a fantasy movie, because to me, that's what this movie feels like. It's, it's, it's a complete fantasy. Like it's, 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 it's like not, it's not real. Uh, you know, what, what's happening? Like, I don't, I don't, aside from standing in line and asking some guy how many, you know, assholes he has because of how many, you know, uh, how many rolls of toilet paper he's, he's carrying, like the rest of it is just a complete like farce. And I'm wondering if it's like someone writes or makes this movie to just be like, well, everyone just needs to take a break from like the seriousness of the pandemic. So we're just going to, you know, this is like the best way to do it is to have a little to have a little like levity with it. Now, then divorce it from reality entirely. You know, like don't this this half measure bullshit is not. Yeah. It still looks. To, I mean, we're still on Zoom calls. People mm-hmm. are still wearing masks, and we're getting into like comical scenarios because of that. You know, this still <laughs> rings completely like you know they're just taking like a a slightly less uh, or slightly more irreverent tone. You know, with it, but it's still like heaped upon with the reality of the now. You know, okay. and, and that's where it just like completely loses me and seems like just a complete <laughs> fucking miscarriage of a concept, you know? <laughs> um, like, I think, that, yes, there, I think there are plenty of ways that like the pandemic can be dealt with in a way that like, yeah, sort of separates us from the reality of it and, and allows mm-hmm. us a way to maybe process it from a different perspective or, you know, um, view it without it being so just closely mirroring what just our, you know, uh, diminished day-to-day lives are right now anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that, you know, that is possible, but this is not that, you know, it's not, not even close in my mind. And, and Mm -hmm. I I also don't think, you know, I think it's going to take more time. It's going to take time, you know, being away from it before those kinds, before any real substantive or insightful, uh, deployment of those types of concepts or approaches to this entire ordeal, you know, would have any kind of like, you know, impact anyway. Um, mm. Or that audiences would even be ready to watch them, you know, like in the immediate aftermath of like this stuff being over once the vaccine rollout gets, you know, better 
and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, things are a little bit like maybe approaching back towards normalcy. I don't think people are going to even want anything resembling pandemic shit, you know? Oh, just uh, as like entertainment. Like, yeah. As a, like period. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think and anything is just going to die the death that tries to, <laughs> that tries to hit on that market at that time. So I think it's, you know, even any kind of like fantasy, um, or fantastic, otherwise fantastical treatment of this stuff. Um, you know, I don't think is, is really going to have any, any substance or any like real relevance or any like market interest for at least like two, three years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to, to try to jump the gun now, again, it's, it's indicative of just this whole like first mentality, um, that has become so prevalent, you know, with social media and internet, blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that I feel like that's what these people are doing in a, you know, mistaken grab at, <laughs> Um, some sort of like cultural relevance by being like the first one to do it when it's like, well, but nobody fucking wants to see this. So <laughs> who gives a shit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting, you know, like since the last time we talked, like wonder woman came out, you know, and, uh, um, I like this month, the next, the next movie on that Warner brothers, 2021 slate is going to be coming out um at the end of the month and everything and so oh, what's um, that? it's this movie called the little things uh it's a it's a uh denzel washington like garbage crime thriller okay. you know like it's just <laughs> you know it's just one of those movies where it's just like girls are getting murdered and jared leto might be the killer and Rami Malek is the straight-laced, you know, detective. And it's just, like, mm. serious and moody. And it's, like, just yeah. haven't had one of those in a while. And I'm just, like, <laughs> you know what? I'm in. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this one, this one's really weird. I mean, the pandemic will definitely, like, date this movie. You know, it's kind of like saying, saying in your movie, like, oh, man, when Trump was president and this and that. It's, like, immediately it's a moment in time. And... You know, like you were saying, a couple years down the road, like people are going to determine, like, I don't want to watch a movie about the pandemic. Like, even if there is a heist in it, like, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't care. I could probably just put on another better heist movie that has <laughs> no pandemic in it. Right. <laughs> whatsoever. And I'd be more entertained with that. Yeah. There are, there are also other ways to frame or contextualize, you know, the world being the way it is and taking advantage of unique opportunities provided by the pandemic for filming. But yeah. Contextualize it or frame it in a way that is not the exact fucking thing that we're going through right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, there right. are ways to, it just seems like this movie just seems like it's being made for all the wrong reasons, you know, like they think they're being like super relevant, but at the same time, the movie is like completely irreverent um mm-hmm. it seemingly has nothing of interest to say it's purely like you know made for entertainment value but then again it's like but nobody wants to watch just life right now as entertainment you know um and and it's not like this is the first thing to try to do it either you mentioned songbird there was even like a tv show that was like love in the time of covid or something like that what i didn't know yeah, about this yeah that like oh yeah it was like oh like wow. immediately like they were like let's film this crap you know and so and <laughs> And lo and behold, nobody's given a shit about any of this because guess what? Nobody wants to fucking see it. And I don't know why, like, they think that shoving this down our throat. Like, you can see what they're trying to do. It's like the Cloverfield paradox thing, where it's like they announce the existence of this thing a week before it comes out. You just get everyone like whipped That's up right. in excitement about yes. it, and then they watch it. And I guarantee, as soon as this comes out, everyone's like, "It's fucking garbage." Mm-hmm. Like, I guarantee you, this movie's fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have there's not even a doubt in my mind about it that this thing <laughs> sucks. And lo, but yet because of that, like you know, and just sort of people's mentalities and the fear of missing out, I'm like, oh my god, it's got big names attached and all this stuff, and it's like, you know, another. It's just another piece in the arsenal of like, uh, you know, what has been HBO Max's recent tactic of kind of like overwhelming you to like force mm-hmm. you into subscribing because it's like all the big shit is here. You can't miss it. You fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm it, no, it'll I'm get, saying it'll no. get, it'll get really <laughs> serious when they end up having like a, a, uh, like a marker selection that just says like, you know, pandemic stories you know click here for for all of our pandemic content (laughs) right yeah breaking news or whatever (laughs) breaking up to the moment films you know that's so bad yeah Um, yeah not like there's not you know a hundred other fucking way more worthy things going on in the world right now to make movies about and talk about and you know like literally like the least interesting of all of them and the least like ultimately least consequential in a lot of ways you know like this thing is yes a lot of lives have lost a lot of shit's been fucked up you know we're going to be dealing with the repercussions but like it's going to end it's going to go away but like other things that have been going on for decades and are probably going to continue going on for decades that are being addressed and dealt with in the world right now again seem a little more important if you really want to be like relevant or current you know yeah, um, right. It's a, doing a, a doing a you know uh, a a a light rom com heist set during the pandemic is probably the shittiest and dumbest way to go about it. So, I'm calling I, I'm calling bullshit on this movie you're, and everyone involved with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like like I said in the beginning, I think I think the only reason I I think. Um, I think the only reason I really enjoy the trailer is because of the heist element. Like I like heist movies. I like watching heist movies. And I, from the way this trailer plays out, unless the heist, unless, you know, they start to, you know, become artists in the edit of this thing and like put the heist as the first thing that's happening, you know, and we, you know, or or whatever, like, um, uh, I want to see how the heist is like worked out because, Mm -hmm. You know, during during po- proper quarantine here in Chicago, when everything was was locked down, you know, like I did run through the Ocean's Eleven movies quite a bit. You know what I mean? So it's like I I feel like I've been revisiting certain genres in heavy, and so like aside from what I agree with you is a, is a giant error in making this a part of like uh, like a like a you know pandemic entertainment. You know, using the pandemic as a backdrop. I'm interested to see like where it stands as like a heist movie. Yeah. Um, and that is really the only reason like I'm I, I want to watch it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like I don't like that. I will probably have to spend about 45 minutes. If that like reliving proper lockdown with two mm-hmm. characters and them just going in, like emotionally breaking down in a place where they look like they're, you know, they're financially pretty good. Like, I, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> Yeah, no, she's still some, like, bigwig at this, like, giant jewelry yeah. place, you know? It's, like, it seems like it's fine. Obviously, like, you know, they're on the outs as a couple. Right, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, again, yeah, this the the stakes that are here in this movie seem really low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and, again, I can't, you know, just, just looking at this in context of Doug Lyman's filmography as well, you know, I mean, this definitely rings the closest to, like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. 
as far yes. as having this like relationship dramedy comma comma comedy drama <laughs> dramedy <laughs> if you will kind of thing going on while having this more like you know kind of genre um that one was assassins of course this one is is heists um mm-hmm. you know kind of film mixed in with that you know relationship whatever it is and uh you know and and so for me also like mr and mrs smith i haven't seen all of uh, lyman's films but from what i've seen mr and mrs smith was like hands down my least favorite okay um i really yeah i did not really care for that movie all that much um and again seemed like it was kind of made uh on the back of the same expectation as this one which is just like look at the stars play you know like that was obviously the height of kind of brangelina um, it was like, oh, look, it's just, it's Brad Pitt and Angelina just kind of like being celebrities on screen, you know? It's where they fell in love, Dorian. We got to see their love blossom on screen. Uh-huh. That home-wrecking <laughs> bitch. <laughs> um, I'm a Braniston man. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway... So, yeah, and then this seems to be kind of the same, like, hey, look, at celebrities in Pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. and look what kind of kooky shit they're getting up to. Yeah. Uh, it, it just seems like that's, that's like, the appeal, that like, the market appeal of this movie that they're trying to sell, and it just, yeah, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem like a particularly good one to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So even, yeah, even just looking at it within his own filmography, it's like, okay, well, with Doug Lyman at the helm, this is, you know, historically been my least favorite type of movie that he's made. <laughs> is kind of in this realm so you know i feel like uh also once again more evidence that i can probably expect a similar result here yeah right right so yeah really there's just yeah like i said at the outset there's just there's really nothing here for me (laughs) like at all (laughs) (laughs) so i like the you know the the one the one good thing i can say is that uh uh, from what I understand, at least, at, at least HBO, you know, paid some filmmakers for a film this time around. So, yeah, that's true. That's you know. true. So, yeah, I guess. Cool. <laughs> it's a shame that I have to point to that as like, you know, a commendable thing uh, <laughs> to pay people <laughs> <laughs> to to. Yeah. Uh, allow people some sort of uh maybe even participation in the level of success that is enjoyed as a result of their work maybe yeah. maybe yeah. that as well who knows i don't know the terms of this deal but um you know wild wild stuff <laughs> <laughs> um there's a there's a couple so. more movies that are going to be coming out um that i've seen trailers for there's trailers going to be coming out of of movies that were shot during the pandemic Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I I don't think they have the pandemic, pandemic as like storylines, yeah, as a, as a backdrop, you know, like uh, that kind of thing. So, um, and I feel like we're just going to be seeing like a lot of these movies, and unfortunately, we're going to be seeing. I feel like we're going to be seeing like a, a lot of movies in the next year that are pandemic heavy. Yeah, because everyone don't. is going to be thinking like this is this is what we like need to do you know like the 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 one it was when i watched the trailer the one thing i i thought about when um like when 9-11 happened there was like a lot of criticism that like oliver stone made like world trade center like within a year maybe within a year maybe two years of of Mm -hmm. of the uh of uh 
of what had happened and and stuff and um i mean i, I saw the movie and i thought it was i thought it was good I, I didn't think it was you know uh you know terrible or anything like that but um it still kind of begged the question of like man we just we're still kind of we're still kind of recovering from this. Like, why? Yeah. Why do we need to revisit it like so harshly, so quickly? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and so that's what I was. That's what I was thinking about in terms of like pandemic movies. Yeah, yeah. And, it's like yeah. there. You know, prior to the age of information, you know, there was I think some something to be said for movies that could respond to and you know sort of uh, dialogue with the times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in a, in a meaningful way. But that was like, there's so much context to that, you know, in terms of like, again, the, the times lasted a little bit longer in the past. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. they were, you know, the things weren't, you know, 24 hour news cycle and shit where like, we, you know, week to week, day to day nowadays, like everything is different. You know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. No, it doesn't really allow for that kind of, um, you know, retrospective uh, viewpoint, like while still in it, you know. It all just kind of like moves too fast, but um, but also it's just like that information is 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 around. You know, you're not exposing anything. Like when, um, like one of the big examples that uh, you know, as far as this whole idea that 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 jumps to my mind is is Roberto Rossellini's War Trilogy, mm. um, which he made during like World War II in Italy, um, and so when he made uh, like Germany Year Zero and uh, Paisan and uh, Rome Open City, uh, which were the three movies in that war trilogy. It was like, Rome Open City was the first one of those that came out. And like, the war was still going on when that movie, you know, was made. Obviously, that war was precipitating for a long time and then went on for several years. So there was like, again, kind of like a time (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, allowance, you know, for for giving people the time to like really look at what was going on and take stock of it and, you know, kind of create something meaningful out of that. Um, But but beyond that as well, like, you know, in the... that time period in the late thirties, early forties, you know, also you just didn't like people in America probably just didn't know what was going on in fucking Italy, you know, especially aside from just like Mussolini's there and he's a fucking fascist and Hitler's his boy, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's bad, you know, but like actually seeing a movie that kind of depicted what it was like, like being inside of Italy at the time and like how this kind of started and how it's affected like day to day life, you know, of people there, that was like a viewpoint that like nobody had seen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of like recontextualized how people understood like, you know, their enemies and the countries that they were at war with and everything, you know, that like in some ways it was just as horrific and horrendous for the people living there as right. it was for, you know, the, the um, you know, perceived enemies and things like that, you know. So, so in that time period of that, you know, state of affairs, there was a real relevance to having that kind of viewpoint and being able to you know, kind of like put something out relatively, you know, while the thing was still going on. Um, whereas now point nowadays, it's like we have all of those viewpoints and, you know, arguably even like too many viewpoints nowadays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, right. On literally every single fucking thing that happens on the planet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so like that completely, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, more or less kind of like eliminates the need for like films to try to do that. You know, I would look to films okay. more so nowadays, like nowadays I would look to films more so to, kind of like take the time to process those things in an artistic or more like substantive way rather mm-hmm. than risk, you know, kind of being, I guess what some of the criticism of, of stone was with world trade center of just being maybe opportunistic. Yeah. You know, 
um, not really have anything to contribute to this conversation, but just sort of like trying to make money off of the fact that this is like something fresh in people's minds. And there's just sort of like this interest around it. You know, people want to see if you have something, you know, you're a a stone in particular. He's a provocative director, you know, who's known for having like highly politicized views um, and and strong opinions on this type of stuff. So you think he makes a world trade center movie. He's probably going to have like something to kind of say with it. And when it's just this, like, I don't know, overly sentimental cash grab. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All of a sudden it kind of looks bad, you know? And, um, and, and again, I think it's, you know, (laughs) stuff like this too, that is like, so, um, you know, traumatic in, in ways to like national identity and, um, you know, things that, that all the, you know, complete level of normalcy that we took for granted before it's like, you can't, you can't hope to like really process those things like as quickly as, you know, the world likes to move these days, you know, I I appreciate a lot more, yeah, kind of like tempered approaches to this and, you know, not trying to just take advantage of like, it's in the pandemic, let's do pandemic stuff to talk about. People are going to want to know. It's like, no, this shit is so well documented right now. Like every, every moment of every day of this entire fucking ordeal lives on the internet and will be there forever. You know, like it's not, that is no longer under the purview of like filmmakers to like capture that, you know, that's kind of like happening now. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd rather they capture what's not happening right now, which is like, you know, critical thought (laughs) (laughs) being applied to the scenario and like, you know, what, what we can understand or glean from it um, as a result of it having happened and not like just documenting how we feel while it's going on because we're all painfully aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. One, you know, hearing your description, hearing you talk about that, like I know I told you, um, recently that I had seen, uh, Queen and Slim. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. The movie that came out in 20, I think it was like 2019. I got to watch that still. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I feel like what you just said, like, it, uh, that movie does with everything that's surrounded with everything that happened with black lives, the matter, the protests, mm. uh, and everything like that. It is, um, it is very much steeped in that world. However, it is not giving you a play by play of, you know, we're not we're not in in that world per se. We're just with these two characters that have have sparked this sort of movement, right? You know? And so, um, so it's like I don't know. It's like not a political movie, but at the same time, it is. And you know, but it just does it with these two characters. You don't even know the two characters like names in the movie until the end of it. Mm. Um, like it's it's like it's like these specific choices of just like. We're not, you know, these are like kind of, they're not faceless, but they're, they're nameless characters to you, um, other than the title. And, um, you know, they're where the movie is saying something about, you know, black lives and, you know, police officers and all this other kind of stuff, but it's doing it in this just very, very minimalist way and not in the way we're like, you know, we're in a major city and we're out in the street and, you know, yeah. there, there are images of, of, of cops beating, you know, black people up or, or, or of any race up or, or vice versa, you know, um, there's hints of that, but it's the hints are the hints of those things are there to like service the story. They're not just because, Hey, you know, this happened during the protest. So we got to right, show yeah. it. You know what I just mean? So like yeah. hit all the headlines, you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I would say, I would say like, uh, Queen and Slim is like a pretty good example of what you just described right now. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? Uh, I think it was just called love. Um, the, the Jeff Nichols one with, um, Ruth Nega and, uh, I forgot who the male lead was on it, but it was about like the, like this interracial couple in the South in like around the civil rights era. Oh, uh, loving. 
Loving. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Loving. Yes, yeah, that's I did. The one. I I did watch that. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's it sounds yeah. similar to that where it was like, yeah, there. From watching that movie, you'd never know that there was like a giant social movement around this couple. No, it's, it's just Joel, it's just a, Joel Edgerton. That's right. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. about the two of them, you know, and yes. like what they had to deal with, and it's kind of like that sparked all of this shit around them, but they kind of they were not trying to do that, you know. They right. weren't these like revolutionary figures. They just kind of were forced. It was foisted upon them. And they were like, I'm sorry, you know, this is just the way we feel. We love each other and we're just going to keep on doing that. So, and somehow that was like was, an uh, act of rebellion, you know? Yeah, I think it was. I remember I saw, I saw this movie in the theaters and I thought it was really good. And Jeff Nichols uh, wrote and directed. Yeah. Uh, wrote and directed it. And I think I remember like character wise, like the, um, it's a Richard, Richard and Mildred Loving are, are the characters. And I think, you know, the character of Mildred in the movie, like halfway is kind of says like, we need to, we need to like fight this. And like Richard is the person that's just like, why can't we just like live how we want to live? Like, why did, why do we need to be like the spokespeople for this? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, no, it was a it was a cool movie. It was an interesting way of you know addressing or you know getting at that uh, moment in time. Yeah, and and yeah. you know what it and the, you know kind of pointing at the you know the mundanity of what a lot of the people are like really fighting for, like what a lot of these like big movements are really all about. It's just like no, it's it's really kind of like nothing when you look at it. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's yeah, so yeah. significant. It's so significant. Obviously, I'm not saying that like it's literally nothing, but it's like literally just these like two people want to live a quiet life together, and that's like a fight you know (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's just like so crazy and really is just you know undermines the underscores the entire idea of just like yeah like what what's the problem here you know (laughs) right really what is the issue (laughs) um Um, uh so you you have you have since you you mentioned since we we spoke last that you uh are no longer an hbo max subscriber Correct. Yeah. And which, this, uh, which, uh, the trailer for lockdown has not uh, swayed my opinion. <laughs> which, uh, which, which begs the ultimate question here, Dorian, is what, what will you do when the Snyder Cut comes out? I mean, this is one of the most <laughs> sought after <laughs> director's cuts of all time. And uh, yeah, you know, it just... Uh, <laughs> The, the only thing that's going to feel better than canceling HBO Max is not watching the Snyder Cut. <laughs> I, like, I might, I might resubscribe to HBO Max just to not watch the Snyder Cut while having access to it. That, would, that might actually even feel better. I would gladly give... I would, I would pay them to not have to watch it. What would you watch instead on, on HBO Max instead of that? Like, the weekend it comes out. Dune. Oh watch, yeah! Oh yeah! To watch, that's true, that's to watch right. David Lynch's Dune twice in yeah. the uh, <laughs> the time it would take you to get through fucking Zack Snyder's jerk fest. Just do it like back to back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I'd, that, be, that's I'd funny. be fine with that. Or I'll do it. You know what? I might do it Tenet style. I'm gonna watch it forward, and then I'm gonna watch it in reverse. Ooh! I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna invert the movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, but okay. So I wanted to mention. I mean, I'm I'm done talking about lockdown. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you had other stuff to say. No, but, you know uh, what? I uh, I no, I don't. I don't. Uh, what do you call it? I don't have any more uh, like specific things to say. I will say uh, I'm. I don't know. For some reason, I'm surprised that it got an R rating. Um, I feel like there's still yeah. there's still conversations over things that are rated P 
PG thirteen and rated R and stuff like that. So it I says guess I'm... it says language throughout and some drug material. Oh, yeah. Right. So I'm guessing there's just a lot of fucks in here. That's usually for language. Yeah. It's like you say the F word like more than three times or something. You you get an R because mm-hmm. you know that's what corrupts people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you gotta look out for that shit. God, I can't wait for the uh, I can't wait for the uh, theatrical uh, you know theatrical courtroom drama on how many times you can use the F word in a PG thirteen movie or mm-hmm. or whatever you know because someone's got to be writing that right now you know yeah yeah no you can you can read all the you know election stealing nonsense you want on the internet but <laughs> if you hear the word fuck more than three times in ninety minutes like it's over for you you're just <laughs> irredeemable done yeah. <laughs> Um, I will I will just say that the, this movie uh, locked locked down does come out on uh, Thursday, January fourteenth. Yeah, cool. Uh, on, wow. on HBO Max. So if you are subscribed, uh, you know, I, 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 it's up to you, I guess. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what I won't be doing on Thursday. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that uh, I think we can call that for this episode. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks for everybody for listening. And uh, Dorian, do we want to do Birdman finally for the next episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I, I just watched I just watched Gravity again recently. So oh I'm, yeah, that's right. I got I got some Lubezki. I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. So it's part of our Batman retrospective. So mm-hmm. we're gonna do some we're gonna do some heavy lifting on this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Birdman, we're, Birdman, we're going to be watching Birdman as though it's Tim Burton's third Batman movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is his Godfather 3 uh, coda. Oh, this is the coda of the Batman? <laughs> Dorian, okay. You know what? I've tried so hard to get into doing Birdman, and you've just like gotten me into it now. Nice. <laughs> with, with, with comparing it to Godfather coda, because I'm just like on a Godfather high right now. So Yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. I'm in ba- Batman coda. Mm-hmm. I'm loving this. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll figure out some time. Uh, I, I should be able to watch it this week, and hopefully we can record I, over the weekend or something. Yeah, I think I could do it. I think I could do it this week, too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure that, that out. Happen. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Dorian, thank you for jumping on the mic with me. My pleasure, sir. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some more fun stuff. Yeah. Later. See ya.